Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. There's a book I very much enjoyed uh, reading. It touched me. Was, uh, the title of the book stayed also with me, resonates uh, with me, it comes back often. Uh, so the title of the book is uh, The Way of Complete Tenderness. The Way of Complete Tenderness. And it talks about uh, this practice. The author is um, Zenju Earthen Manuel. She's a black uh, uh, American uh, uh, lesbian. It's important in the story because um, it's been a few years now that I read it, but This is a very um, moving, insightful, I thought it was an expression of very, very deep uh, practice. And uh, something that I love about, an aspect of this practice that I love is uh, a kind of uh, independence that we gain in the practice. So it's not like independence, I don't need people. It's not that kind of independence. It's, it's seeing for oneself what is true, seeing for oneself what has value outside of what is... Uh, in the maybe dominant culture or what is uh, valued by some or what is said to be good, you know, so that the whole practice, uh, as the Buddha would express uh, in different words maybe, but he was definitely saying, this is all open. It's all for you to come and, and check it out for yourself. You don't have to believe anybody. You don't have to... You, you. Here are the tools for you to find out for yourself how things resonate, you know, how they feel healthy or unhealthy, the ways to be with things. And so the way I recall uh, it for her in, uh, in her life, she, she talks about coming to a, you know, being in a predominantly uh, white society uh, that is uh, white-centered, oppressive in uh, so many ways, uh, being a female in a patriarchal uh, society, in a patriarchal uh, lineage. I think she was practicing Zen Buddhist. Mm-hmm. Um, Buddhism is a patriarchal uh, lineage. And uh, being in, um, in a heterocentric, that might be euphemism, <laughs> Here. <laughs> but definitely a way to describe the situation, for, uh, you know, for some of us, you know, it's a Eurocentric, Euro, Euro, sexist. Or, uh, not you? Did I say Euro? Hetero. You said hetero. Yeah, heterosexist. Eurocentric, Euro, maybe also in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> That's true too. Yes. So and uh, and there was kind of. Again, just from memory, like uh, saying, like there was a kind of suggestion that this didn't, this didn't count. It didn't count that she was a woman, you know, 
awakening was, uh, you know, it, it didn't count. It was like, uh, don't don't get stuck on this. You know, it's, it's a part of the story or the color of the skin or the culture or any of this doesn't count. You know, and she, uh, I'm putting this in my words. That's like, but still, I think it's. Uh, you know, if it just makes you want to read the book and come closer to her, closer to her, her experience, or invite her to teach here, you know, that that would be a, a thing. Um, but she was saying, I think something like, I, it was actually important. It was at the middle of experience a lot of the time, you know, and uh, and uh, to. Um, and I like this expression of the way of complete tenderness was this turning towards what is there, a phenomenon that is there, you know, this feeling uh, less or made, made less or feeling invisible or being made invisible in some way or any, anything around that, you know, uh, to actually bring complete tenderness to that experience, so it's acknowledging, it's making it count, it's caring about it, it's bringing it in. So why I'm saying this this morning is because as we talk about, let's say, the four foundation, it can get really technical, you know, like, okay, first foundation, but that's not what it is. What it is is a way to bring in every aspect of our experience. It's a, it's a way to deconstruct aspects of our experience so we can highlight them and it's not just being mindful of them. It's not like that. You know, uh, Jack Cornfield would say, oh, yeah, the first 30 years, we did, <laughs> we did think, you know, the first 30 years in, in the West, you know, uh, as Westerners were uh, bringing this or sh- uh, uh, sharing this with other Westerners, you know, from Westerners to Westerners, you know, uh, they, Jack would say, yeah, for the first 30 years, we thought that mindfulness would do it, you know, being mindful. And now we see that it's actually, it, it doesn't work. You know, it has to have uh, benevolence in that care. It has to have the fluidity, the warmth or the coolness, depending on the weather system you're in, you know. If you're in the south and it's hot, the, the meta aspect will bring the, the coolness needed to be through what you're you know, discovering, experiencing. And, uh, you know, if you're in the north, maybe it's the warmth, uh, the heart, uh, as a little fire. And so, yeah, it's good to remember, because as I was going, you know, we we said, okay, let's let's talk this morning about third and fourth foundation. And I'm like, I don't want this to get too technical. And I do want this, because that's, it's 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 uh, it's one form that definitely worked for me and works for many people to actually deconstruct it, you know, make uh, stand out aspects of our experience. Like I don't know if you relate to this like this. The third, the second foundation of uh, uh, the feeling tone is something that there's a lot to be discovered about, you know, to highlight it. But it's not outside of our world. It's at the center of our world and what's happening uh, to us. And so in the case of uh, Earthlin Manuel, it's in, this is at the heart of her experience of uh, being of color or being uh, queer or uh, being a woman, you know? And so 
I don't know, it's, I'm trying to integrate our lives <laughs> in there, so it doesn't feel like our lives are on the side, and there's the four foundations. It's not like that. It's a way to bring this in there, you know. And, um, yeah, and also to me, what I found in my practice, that all this is definitely leading to the opening of the heart. You know, as technical as it gets, it's all techniques to lead to care, you know. So it's good to have that big view also in mind, you know, that this is what we're doing here. We're learning to meet with complete tenderness. Can you find a better expression than this? Complete tenderness towards being annoyed. <laughs> oh my love, you're so annoyed right now, so strong, big reaction. This is not what you wanted. Wow, very, very hard. Complete tenderness. There's the disappearance in that, that, I, that that's like the art. And that, so it's not, maybe not so much the science of meditation as much as the art. And art I like because there's something about aesthetic in that. And suddenly it's not like so much like outer beauty as inner beauty. It's an inner aesthetic. It's a, what's beautiful. And what's beautiful is caring about what's happening. You know, that's beautiful in the world. And, um, and so, yeah, the way, of com- the way of complete tenderness towards experiences of the body pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. So I just did first, second foundation. <laughs> and uh, complete tenderness for states of the, uh, of the heart, of the mind, of the psyche, the different geologies, the different weather pattern we encounter, the roughness, the softness that we encounter in there to actually turns to learning, learning, inviting, uh, valuing, turning towards with complete tenderness, you know, in one, inside oneself, inside uh, the other. So it's not a turning away, it's not uh, a judging. And so what is the way that this is released through what we call mindfulness and I think at the University of Montreal now they use, uh, <coughs> if I translate it, is uh, caring attention, mm-hmm. présence or caring presence. Présence at the University of Quebec at Montreal, it's présence attentive, and at the other one is présence attentionnée. I think or maybe I, you know, so one is careful pr- presence or attentive presence, and the the other one is something more like caring presence. And so what happens in that that is, uh, to me, can be remarkable when it works, and it's not easy, huh? it's to actually find that thing, it could probably take a few decades, you know? That's how I think about it, you know? Before you know what mindfulness, probably 20 years, you know? Before that, you're humble, and after that, you're humble. <laughs> Yeah, please. So, um, one of the things that was coming to mind when you were talking about this writer, I can't remember, I can't pronounce her name now, but say it again. Earthlin Manuel, if I say it right myself. Okay. 
Horace Lynn Manuel. So I think that also what you're pointing to is um, one of the problems, of course, with the bringing of the Dharma and mindfulness to the West is that, well, it's unavoidable, of course, but it's being incorporated into a very individualistic culture. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the way that we then take it is within that culture, and it's like, you know, a fish doesn't know it's in water. Mm -hmm. So it's the same. And so, you know, what you're speaking about in terms of the scientific aspects of mindfulness, the turning of this attention to ourselves, we're not really a culture that, um, you know, values as highly as other cultures, the collective. And so this also has to be trained. Yeah. So I think this is what you're also speaking to, the, the training of that care, both mm -hmm. for others and self, equally. Yeah. But yeah. This, is not, this is not how we're constructed in yeah. this culture. You know? And it's invited to go at every level of our experience. So it's not just uh, me or the other, but it's also, you know, it's societal or like it plays, we, we want to be, to. the way I understand this is that we're learning to have a careful, caring, balanced, curious attention. You know, it's qualitative attention of mm -hmm. presence that uh, is very particular. And this goes to the experience of the body, the heart, the mind of the other but also of the group and the different groups we're in and how it plays out. So we're interested in suffering and the end of suffering. And suffering can be psychological, you know, like in that little system here can produce, uh, you know, havoc for itself, you know, and it can produce uh, support, healing, accompanying. But so does uh, any system we're part of. And so... You know, there's many uh, in this uh, society, there's uh, all kinds of systems of uh, oppressions and privilege. And so we actually want to become equally awake to this. Otherwise, it's kind of, uh, in a way, some, some, some teacher said, if, if your awakening is like this, you know, this is kindergarten. <laughs> you know, good, you know. But then spread your awareness to how we're relating to each other, you know, how we're giving value to some people more than to others, you know. Let's become aware of this, you know, and be brave and courageous enough to uh, notice it, name it, look at it with care, balance, honesty, you know, and, uh, and see how, uh, you know, we can start to value every human being because life is there, you know, and... Uh, and so some, of the ways I, so some of the ways that I see this working when it works well is that, let's call it mindfulness, let's call it meta. Sylvia Borstein says, I actually don't see any difference. I, I can't talk of one without the other. Like, I, I don't make a distinction. It's caring is caring. You know, it could be caring for somebody or it can be caring for uh, hearing that is happening now, or a pleasant experience or an unpleasant experience. It's caring. And so what this caring, this particular caring does, it's a very particular caring huh? that we're defining, hopefully, in ourselves. You know, like, what, what is that particular caring? And, and it's, uh, it's also shaky in us, you know. It's, first we have to touch it, and then we have to kind of cultivate it so it's uh, reliable. It's not just haphazard, you know, or, 
you know, that, that it actually has breadth and depth, you know. And um, so the things that I see happening is that it removes, it can remove bias, you know. So I have, you know, what is uh, basically mindfulness? Is going under preconceived ideas. It shouldn't be happening. I should be otherwise. The other should be otherwise. The other is like this. I'm like this. You know, all ideas are invited to fall apart. They're not giving that much value. You know, what is giving value is what is. And so in terms of uh, bias, that we have all kinds of biases we have about people. You know, it can be sociologic, you know. Uh, or it can be anything, you know, to actually become aware of the bias. And, and, and what the force is in us is the force of curiosity, the force of connection, the force of turning towards, the force of... Uh, and so then we can actually go beyond the idea we have about somebody and really meet uh, uh, this person or these people or whatever else is happening, you know. Uh, the idea we have about how the evening is going to go isn't just an idea, you know, and so that we can let go of that bias and say, like, let's actually see how it's going to unfold or that conversation or whatever else. So it uh, frees ourselves and it frees others from our idealism, for example. If you project on somebody that they're perfect and they're it, it's really good to bring a lot of care and attention and mindfulness because I'm going to release that person from that. It's very stressful for them and it's going to be very disappointing for me because they're not going to be that thing that I put on them. You know? So it goes positively and negatively. So freeing people from our projections, either positive or negative, allowing them to unfold as they're unfolding, not as according to my view, of what they should be, are, or, and so that's uh, that's uh, the uh, and we see this uh, in practice. It's it's amazing to see this. I can see the veil, like almost literally. That's the image that comes to me. I'm talking to somebody. I'm like, ah, oh God, I have a veil, you know. Like I can't see this person. I have my idea about them, you know. And but it's good. I want to be aware of it. It's bad news, but it's good news. <laughs> you know? And we say, as you might have heard this, this. What is a mindfulness practice, the, the Dharma? A series of bad news. <laughs> you know? It's just this. What is inside? Bad news. You just realize that you didn't understood, understand, you didn't see clearly. You know? and, so, and so that's the power of this meta. It's not, it's not just like, oh, you know. It's not just like this. It's actually a practice of renunciation. I renounce my views. And I pay attention, and I, uh, I tune in, you know. I let the life reveal itself. I don't tell life what it is, mm. which is mostly what I do without knowing, you know. But now I become aware of this. And so, so first foundation, what is first foundation? Body is the first foundation of attention. Yeah. Uh, second foundation, what is it? Feeling tone. Feeling tone of pleasure, displeasure, neutrality, and maybe the whole spectrum in there. Um, and then the third foundation is mind state, heart states, 
moods, emotions, qualities of mind. So that's all in the same kind of rubric here, you know. So if you say, oh, I don't have emotions, I don't have a third foundation. You know? <laughs> like, well, some of us have plenty. Come and, <laughs> come and see us. We have, we have abundance of third foundation. <laughs> but actually, it's not true for you. You have third foundation because there's always a quality of the mind. You know, there's a, some are very, very subtle. Some are gross, and, you know, like very intense. But there's always attention, concentration, uh, levels of agitation. You know, we talk about calm, but mostly what we experience as human beings is a lower level of agitation. Because <laughs> <laughs> in the stages of awakening, agitation is the last thing to drop, you know. And there's a lot of things that drops before. And so agitation is, agitation is just this, could be just this little delusion about what about me, you know, like, what, like, it's me having this, you know, with, with this, you know, there's, so when we're calm, we can be sure there's some agitation. <laughs> it's not the gross level, but it's something. It's just like, I'm calm, you know, is, uh, so. Uh, so we could say joy is the lull between agitation, bad news, and problems. The joy? Joy. Uh, the joy joy is, is the, the lull between agitation, calm, and problems, and, no, not calm, joy, problems, bad news, and agitation. Okay, let's, let's have this as a research <laughs> ground for research. So, okay, so we have the, the three first foundation, the fourth foundation <coughs> is taken from these elements so oh my god it would have been so simple it would have been just something else <laughs> one two three four something another aspect of life but the fourth foundation is actually particular experiences within the realm of the three foundations particular little you could say lists or qualities that we uh, groups of qualities that we can become aware of and so, uh, because it's a four-day retreat, a five-day retreat, whatever this is, we're not going to get into the fourth foundation like it is in the Satipatthana Sutta. You can go and you know, read it online and learn about it, but I'm just going to highlight two little lists of the fourth foundation. So, and some scholars, I think maybe Analayo is one of them, very uh, respected, say, probably the original discourse of the Buddha, the original, like, that night by the well, you know, probably he might have talked only about these two particular lists. And with 2,500 years of, like, trying to remember <coughs> this discourse orally, 500 years of that, and many people translating, and maybe it got a little juicier. <laughs> <laughs> but basically what the fourth foundation is we could say is two lists that you might already know one I know you know because we've talked about it what could it be? <laughs> yeah. so in that in the fourth foundation we're, we're, we're becoming really <laughs> the seven factors the seven factors <laughs> That one, that's another one. Yeah, that's it's, another right in, it's right in the middle of all this. <laughs> but um, but uh, so the fourth foundation is paying particular attention to the hindrances. 
So the afflictive emotions or states of mind. And so noticing when they're present, when they're absent. So the Buddha said, okay, you want free inner freedom? Become really aware of the, 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 the presence of um, greed. You know, some... Uh, do you have avidity? Av- avid- uh, greed. Ativi- atavistic. Atavistic? I think it's atavistic. Atavism. Aravis. Avarice. Losing my words. Precious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when the mind is, I need this, I have to have, the, you know, like when there's this, be careful, be aware, not judgmental, huh? complete, the way of complete tenderness. You know, being really aware, this mind is really hooked. What is it hooked on, you know? An opinion, a thing, a person, a a feeling tone, you know, my ple- you burst my bubble of pleasantness <laughs> and you're going to pay for it, <laughs> you know. So, you know, when we're attached like, like this, so be really careful about the, like, aware of this, aware of uh, rejection I don't want, I, you know, like in Pascal's life yesterday afternoon, I was like, I don't want to think about that. You know, that, that become really interested in that. That's, that's really interesting in your life. <laughs> you know, uh, after there's agitation, all the forms of agitation, and uh, then the, 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 it's called classically in the Victorian translation, sloth and torpor. So anything that is like, so too much energy, too low energy, uh, I have to make this phone call, you know, like this, become really aware of this, as is that the best way to meet reality, you know, is that entangling or liberating, in the felt sense, in the felt sense, not, I shouldn't, it's entangling, it's just like, feel it, you'll recognize how, you know, uh, and doubt, the doubt that is uh, debilitating, like, don't think I can do this, everybody else can, it's not for me, it should be somewhere else, like when things stop. Because there's a kind of doubt, we were talking about this in a group yesterday, there's a kind of doubt that is onward leading, you know, oh, what is Pascal saying? Let me check this out, you know, oh, what is Pat saying? That's interesting, but I'm not sure if I, so I'm, I'm not sure I know that inside myself, let me check it out. So you can see the movement of energy inside it's not like collapsing, you know, it's leading forward. So that kind of doubt, is, it's intelligence, you know, we could describe it as this. It has energy in it, it's onward leading. And so the Buddha said, seemed to have said, pay attention to these uh, hindrances, become aware of them in a caring way. So that's one list. And in the practice, we're moving from one list, basically, to the other, which is the seven factors. So, seven qualities of mind, or heart, or attitude, you could say, that are always known to be helpful in any situation. Personal, communal, relational, you know, uh, they're always welcome. And so, value them, recognize them, invite them, uh, balance them. Uh, anything around them, you know, hang out, what we, you would say, oh, hang out with people who have these qualities. Mm-hmm. If you want to develop them, 
hang out with people who have these qualities, recognize it in them, be touched. That's what transmission is, you know. Well, you're somebody you know, you know, in your family, in your system, that has that particular quality, uh, or any other that you recognize in yourself as being, you know, generous people, hang out with them, be attentive. If you meet them just for a few seconds, or if they're just generous for a few seconds, tune in. You know, like, wow, let me be touched by this. How it makes the safe, the, the space safe, or the inner experience safe. You know, like, wow. And so that's the fourth foundation. Is, uh, so you could say all these qualities, they're already in the third foundation, no? They're mind state, qualities of mind. But we made, he made them a list. And he said, pay attention to these in this form. So these are called frame of references. So like I have, usually maybe I have my lens, on, without knowing I'm wearing the glasses of my preferences. I would like this to be longer. I would like, I would like it to be finished. I would like to have something else for lunch, you know. And so here, when we come here, we say, let's remove the glasses of our preferences. There's another way to experience life. Or the glasses of my opinions, you know, or the glasses of self-referencing. Yeah, but me, I can do better. Oh, I cannot do as good as, oh, they took this, I didn't take that. Why did, you know, remove the glasses of I. It's just like one particular delusion, no way of seeing <laughs> I'm playing here. <laughs> you know? So put this down and start experiencing life through how is this being met? You know, how is this being met with hindrances, with the f- um, afflictive emotions? And if it is, oh, much tenderness is needed here. Much consciousness is needed here. Much awareness. You know? And uh, can I invite something, a little curiosity in the field, a little calm, a little non-reactivity? And sometimes it's possible, sometimes it's not, or sometimes it's not, and suddenly it is, you know, on the other side of the wave of the emotion. And so we're raising awareness, pleine conscience, we're raising awareness uh, around these ways that we're uh, living And so we can now forget about all this because it's too many foundations and too many lists. It's good to refer back to them once in a while. And now we're invited to bring complete tenderness or as much tenderness as is possible in this moment to what is happening now. And it could be as simple as silence or Cool air coming. Or headache, if you have a headache with all this stuff, which is would be natural. <coughs> so we don't have to catch everything. It's not required. It's not possible.
So we're learning in action, you could say, about uh, contracted mind states, is one way to put it, and maybe more expansive mind states, qualities of mind. So when the mind is contracted, then we're just aware of this. Mind contracted. We allow ourselves to get intimate with that. How does it feel like? What's the tone? The sensation? The kinds of uh, thoughts that are produced? And if the mind is slightly spacious or centered, non-reactive, then we taste that. What's the felt sense of that?
I invite you to notice if the heart-mind is in presence or in absence, in reverie. Is it gone? Or is there some vibrance in the presence, some intelligence, knowing, experiencing consciously what is happening? Notice if you have a desire to be somewhere else, so much so that you actually went there. Desiring to be somewhere else, somebody else, doing something else, experiencing something else. See if you've been hooked in some ways, in a fictive, fictitious reality, trying to become that. You're just waiting for something else, another <coughs> experience. Kindly note this. Or if there is a slight rejection of what's here, or strong, kindly note this. dismissing what is here. See if you can value what is here. Whatever that is.
for a few more minutes uh, releasing ourselves <coughs> from uh, our expectations the imposition of what should be <coughs> liberating life from our projections and expectations allowing it to be just as it is right now if it's possible or as much as possible So for the body, the image of uh, foam is used by the Buddha. The changing nature, ephemeral nature of uh, the bodily experience, the sensory experience, the dynamic nature of it for a feeling tone, second foundation. The bubble is used. So again, ephemeral, appearing, disappearing, really kind of existing and then gone, you know the feeling tone and for you could say for the for the mind states um, uh, and the f part of it is the these two lists of hindrances and uh, seven factors for the third and fourth list maybe these image comes co that come back a lot could be informative for us so one image is the image of the mirage huh? So when I'm in hopelessness, the future appears like this. The past appears like this. Me appears like this. You know, mirage. And suddenly in hope or confidence, the future appears like this. The past appears like this. Or in gratitude, do you recognize this? The mirage-like, the other appears like this. The mirage-like nature 
induced by the different uh, emotions and mind states. And another image that I is my all-time favorite, personally, is the banana uh, tree. Mm. And so the Buddha talks about the banana tree, and he says, you know, the banana tree, big leaves, big fruits, big um, flowers, you know, everything about it is big, and the green of a banana tree, like in the courtyard here. <laughs> <laughs> Just to check the level of, uh, <laughs> the level of uh, skepticism, <laughs> elfic skepticism. <laughs> so the banana tree, like beautiful green, all this. And the Buddha says, you know, somebody wants hard wood, they go in the woods and they find this huge tree banana and they go, wow, my God, you know, I'm going to find good wood in that. They cut, they cut, they can't even find sapwood, let alone hardwood. There's nothing in there. It's a herb. It's empty at its core. And so our emotions and mental formations maybe have the same quality, you know. I'm worth nothing. I'm never going to succeed at this, you know. The big flowers and fruits and leaves, you know, and it does its big banana production. And then <laughs> suddenly it's like, just like, why is that? Are they still, you know, mowing the grass? It's not time to mow the grass anymore. Like, the production of me as the uh, horrible production of life <laughs> is gone. You know, it was empty at the core. And so we're invited in practice to notice this, you know, how suddenly, you know, it arises. To me, it's amazing. The dining hall is an amazing place for this. Suddenly, I really wanted, you know, something to be like this. I'm, just before, it was not even in my mind, you know, about, you know, I don't know, uh, aubergine. You know, I was not thinking about aubergine. <laughs> and suddenly, I'm like, the aubergine. <laughs> They're not cooked enough. They're yeah. not, and it's like, and it's really important, dear Boshin. You know? And then I go back to my room, and suddenly it's something else, you know. Why is that this vent? Stop the vent. You know? <laughs> and it becomes so real. And, uh, yeah, so, so to see this with, uh, with, uh, with uh, playfulness, with uh, humor, sometimes is the appropriate response. And sometimes the appropriate response is with a lot of care. Mm -hmm. Of course, my love, it appears to be like so... This mirage is so, like, convincing right now, you know. I need this water there, you know. And when I get there, I'm like, oh, my God, you know. I've been wanting to come on this retreat for four months, you know. And that's just that, <laughs> you know. It's not solving my problem. <laughs> I'm deeper in it. <laughs> yeah. So the mirage-like nature of the productions of, uh, of the mind, of the heart, you know. And so maybe complete tenderness for the, that, that's the human nature. It does that. So being awake is being awake to that, you know. Not dismissing, but say, okay, it appears like this for you right now, my love. That's how it appears, huh? Whoa. So we care about it, and we also know it's an appearance. It's an appearance. So let's go and uh, walk with this and see this, see the appearing and disappearing nature of steps, of boredom, of, uh, of uh, presence, you know, of, uh, of all of it.
Yeah, some of us have meetings and uh, and uh, last little bit here, promise. Secret of practice in retreat. Do you know the secret of practice? No. That's the secret teaching. <laughs> so you can go if you want now, or you can stay for the secret teaching. <laughs> the secret teaching is continuity. Many of you know that. So the stop and go practice, like I do it a little bit, and then I go in my habits of mine, and you know, and then I go a little bit. It's really, really hard. Really, really, it's like launching a, a rocket every time. <coughs> You know, and so what we try to do is bring as much continuity. So we have two days of practice be before us now, so it's significant, you know. And we have a full day of practice now, and tomorrow it's going to be gone. So today is extremely precious. It would be wise to say, you know what? I'm going to try to actually make this seamless, from the sitting to the standing to the walking. And try not to take a, a break this morning. Say, let's do a block of practice. It's a wise way to see this. Whatever happens, I'm going to actually be really careful for the whole morning, moment by moment, and see what this would lead to as an experiment. You know? And so, really caring about the practice. Enjoy, if at all possible. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.